What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Off the Dome Radio. We have another very fun one for you today. So Tim set this one up um, with the founder and CEO of Innovate Map, and I'm very happy Tim got this one on the books. This one, just different energy. Uh, loved getting in the mind uh, of a CEO and founder uh, with in the digital and agency space. So that is what they do. Uh, they provide a digital uh, agency products and services, solutions to firms in the form of market research, strategy, product marketing, product management, and design and user experience. And they were very big on having a good user and customer experience across the board. So they have a wide variety of services experts in all their trades with over 20 years of experience in product management and user and product marketing. Mike discusses the motivation behind the company, how he established the culture there, and key lessons he learned along the way. So we kind of jump right into things. You know, he gives us a, a brief background, who he is, kind of how he got to where he is now, uh, describes the concept behind Innovate Map and his why. You know, he was very big on the why behind things and making sure you have purpose and fulfillment in what you're doing. Then he goes into his purpose of establishing mentors. Tim and I are always talking talking about the importance of mentorship and having a mentor along the way with whatever you're doing in life. And then we talk about seeking out advice from others. And we kind of ask Mike, you know, how should someone approach, you know, someone who's maybe quote unquote made it? How do you have that ask when you're not sure what you can provide? to a high-level CEO, entrepreneur, or something like that. So we go through that. Very good advice from Mike there. And then he talks about how he refined his company's service offering. A lot of times we get stuck in one service or way too many, and you know he was kind of dealing with too many, scaled down, and now they're at a happy medium. Uh, so he talks about listening to what the market needs, some of the biggest pivots his organization has had to make, especially with the pandemic. So, Tim, I know you knew a little more about Innovate coming into this. Uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. What did you think of Mike? Yeah, I loved our conversation with Mike. He, he brought all the energy and just as you'd expect from a leader of an innovative company like that. Uh, he was very excited and um, I thought there was a lot of value to take from this episode and I was locked in the entire time. So we asked Mike about the process of scaling. So his company just opened up a new location in New York. Um, they had to expand their presence uh, during the pandemic. Um, so we asked him like, how did you maintain such a creative culture while you expanded? What did the, what did the things you do as a leader to maintain that? And I thought that was just really interesting to learn about. Um, and then Mike's company, they're all about delivering an ideal user experience to customers. So we asked, like, what does that optimal user experience look like? Um, and he explains how his company kind of goes above and beyond for customers and um, what makes them unique. So I thought that was really cool to learn about as well. And then obviously, Anytime we bring on an entrepreneur or a CEO or a business owner, we like to ask them like the key lessons they've learned along the way, um, how it's kind of poured into other areas of their life. So we, we ask him about that and lessons he learned in previous roles as well. So it just kind of reflects on the lessons learned in his career, which I thought was a great section as well. And then we end the show asking how he wants to be remembered. I thought his answer was great. And yeah, whether you're just you're trying to learn about a unique company, a cool concept, or you're just learning how to be a better leader and, and grow a company. I thought there's a lot of value in this episode. And I, I think you guys are going to love it. So without further ado, episode 177, Mike Reynolds. Yeah. So I guess uh, maybe for our listeners, maybe, um, you know, just introduce yourself, the company, what Innovate Map is, and, and then we'll get into the weeds. We'll detour and, and do all the things. Sounds great. So uh, Mike Reynolds, uh, CEO of Innovate Map. Uh, Innovate Map, we describe ourselves as a digital product agency. 
Uh, and just to unpack that a little bit, we're really the strategy and the design firm behind digital products, uh, which are primarily SaaS applications, mobile apps, e-commerce, uh, highly functional websites. Those are all digital products in our terminology. And we will basically, like I said, be the strategy and the design side of that. So we'll make sure that they built the right thing and it resonates with the buyers and it resonates with users. Awesome. Okay. And you started this t- 2014? Yep, 2014. Okay, okay, gotcha. And yeah, so I guess you want to walk through like what your motivation was with that? Like what what was the initial problem you were trying to solve? How did that kind of come into formation of starting the business in 2014? Yeah, it's, it, it's funny. So when I started, I just the story behind the why is very interesting, to, at least to me. <laughs> um, I, I was, I've always been in digital products. So I led product mm-hmm. at uh, a software company um, and, and really I was there 11 years uh, and it got acquired and then uh, by a larger company. And I, I always had a passion for, I, I, I joined that software company, by the way, when it was in early stages. And that was just a great stage uh, for me personally and professionally. And I always um, had a soft spot, if you will, for the early stage tech companies. And uh, you know, post-acquisition, we were a very large company. I, so I always had this interest to get back to uh, help or be a part of uh, small tech or you know, a small business in general. Mm-hmm. Um, as a head of product, I always thought I would start a software company next, um, but I didn't because a firm like Innovate Map didn't exist. And what I mean by that is if you're going to start a software company, you've got to build it uh, well to start. So you're gonna, your first few hires can be like engineers. Um, but I didn't see how you could do product today without excellence in like design and product marketing and product management. But it really doesn't make sense for you to W2 that in such an early stage. And so I built the firm I wish was available to me if I were to start a software company, which was, you know, a, a firm that is just a full A caliber excellence in product skills. So just kind of our, our, our firm is literally product management, product marketers, and UX designers. And, you know, if you, if you have that done well, uh, it's really a differentiator for your project product. So anyway, um, I started that really to solve a problem I wish was solved myself if I were a founder. And uh, really wanted to bring that reality to, to other founders. And uh, I'll admit, when we started the firm, uh, although I wanted to help early seed stage founders, uh, I realized that they don't have a lot of money. <laughs> and so um, we, we definitely had to, uh, an evolution to the business was we also help existing tech companies uh, by filling the gaps of their product skills as well. Okay. Um, and I, I could go much, much deeper into any of that, but um, really, I, I was trying to solve a problem in market. Um, didn't think I would always be a founder. That's the other thing, mm-hmm. too. Um, I, I always saw myself as kind of like a number two. But when the, the idea and the opportunity came upon myself, it just motivated me so much to just start it. Mm-hmm. Too, so, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome, because um, I've talked to people about being a good number two. Not everyone has to be number one, right? Not everyone just fits that bill. Some people aren't type A enough. Um, what did that look like to you uh, in terms of learning curve? You know, it's like, you never yeah. thought you'd take this position. Like I'm doing things right now in life. I never thought I'd do five years ago, even. It's like, you're yeah. crazy if that's what I'll be doing. How did you go about um, kind of leaning into that role and really fitting that mold nicely uh, in a spot you never thought you'd be in? Yeah. And, and i tell you, I, uh, the learning curve is a really key point because so, you know, I didn't study entrepreneurialism and the, the funny thing is I make a big distinction between an entrepreneur and entrepreneurial. And to me, like entrepreneurial is just the, 
the the you know that's the spirit of wanting to start own run stuff and you can be entrepreneurial and i upon reflection i was very entrepreneurial at companies you know i, I would lead teams i would start initiatives i would lead products mm-hmm. uh would kind of flip me to be the entrepreneur which i really just define as did you take the risk <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um and, and and start something it one i was the idea was really compelling to me i'd also reached a point in my professional career you know i was 37 where um I kind of surprised myself. I had accumulated enough business experience and almost like wisdom where I did kind of de-risk, at least in my mind, a lot of things. I wasn't a 22 new to my, you know, new to the professional world. There were things like hiring, growing a team, fundamentals about how business works um, that I had developed that kind of de-risked it. Mm -hmm. But there was a tremendous learning curve because I had never started a company before. And to me, the biggest ones for me were really three things. Um, running a business, uh, selling, and then just sheer like finance and legal acumen. You know, I mean, I really, you know, so like I went and started a firm that could do what I had been doing for 20 years. So I felt very good if I were to ever sell Innovate Map to a client that I would be able to solve the product problems that we were, we were hired to solve. Yeah. Uh, what I was nervous about or what I, the risk I, I didn't know is I had never sold before. Mm-hmm. I had never, you know, so many like legal and accounting related decisions, uh, running a business, creating a business plan. And uh, that was the, that was the learning curve for me. So it wasn't like doing what I say we could do. It was, it was truly a lot of the entrepreneur pieces. Uh, The way that I, the way that I learn best is through conversation. So one thing that I did to advance that learning curve, um, just hustle the heck out of conversations, you know? So coffee, drinks, really trying to reach out to other entrepreneurs uh, who have started companies to just learn, learn, learn. Um, And I found that to be really, well, one, I found that entrepreneurs uh, were incredibly generous with their time uh, to share their stories. I mean, it's it's like a, I don't know, it's like a badge of honor to even survive starting a company. (laughs) And and, uh, I mean, I mean, it was therapeutic for them to help me and and share their stories. But I found, I found, um, entrepreneurs or business owners that I really admire being very willing to take time. And I just came very prepared and very hungry with curiosity, honestly. Um, and, uh, you know, in my first 18 months of starting the company, what was on my mind uh, and, you know, where I needed to, where I had a great learning curve, it literally was something new every day. You know, in the early stages, it's just like, what's a financial model and what's the right business plan to, am I a, LLC or an S corp. I just didn't know, like, this is just crazy yeah. thing. And then you get your lumps trying to sell and you, you know, you try to meet somebody and ask questions maybe about sales or I ask questions maybe about just running a business, hiring, when's take the risk, things like that. But I would say for me, there was a, there was a tremendous amount of learning curve that was more entrepreneur related. And, mm-hmm. and for me, just, you know, having meetings with people um, and asking questions and then just experimenting I mean, I would take the advice and I would, I would try it, um, was the best way that I got up to speed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> Is there anybody specific who had like a bigger influence on you or, um, I I'm sure you can take bits and pieces from everybody, but is there, is there anything that you really latched onto or like anybody specific that you ended up developing like a long-term relationship with that really guides you through the whole 18 months and beyond? Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I, I remember them, um, I'll forever be grateful to them. I mean, there were, mm. uh, I'll just tell you one person that was outstanding early on was uh, Bill Godfrey. He was the founder of a primo. So that startup question, that startup 
that I talked to you about that I joined in 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, he had started right. business for great, great entrepreneur advice. Uh, Jack Carr, he's uh, founder and owner of Lightbound. Great advice, great business advice. Yeah, I, it's funny. I um, And I also share people like that were also most generous with their time. So like they would be willing to meet with me you know, not right. like once a year, but you know, even like once a quarter and that. And so they were almost like fans of the journey. Um, and there's many of them. I mean, I have dozens that I'm, I'm grateful for. But yes, you're, you're mm-hmm. going to find uh, some people will give you the time and you're grateful <clears throat> for that. Others, you would kind of latch on to the, uh, the gift that they were giving and the mentorship that they were given. And probably, you know, yeah. I didn't want to I want to respect their time. I didn't want to, you know, ask them to meet me every week. But yeah, <laughs> right. But, but, right. But but definitely a um, there were people in the first three to five years of the company that were consistently helping me, whether it be, you know, meeting me twice a year or honestly were willing to take a phone call if yeah. someone was on my mind. And those are those are those are great. Those are great. Yeah. <clears throat> and when you're reaching out to people kind of like that first time, you know, you're curious, yeah. you, you need to learn. I think a lot of people because we talk about mentorship a lot on the show, and I think people get scared of making the ask or maybe the right way to approach someone like, Oh, they're so busy. They're running a company. I don't want to just ask them. They don't like, they're not going to take time for me. Is there, you know, whether you word things properly or how would you even want someone to approach you for your time to make it, you know, worth it? Like how how do you make that approach? So it's like, Oh yeah, I would like to help this person. You know, they reached out rather than, Hey, like, can I meet you this week? You know, I don't know. Or maybe it is that simple. Well, one, I will say this. Um, when you're hustling, trying to create and survive, uh, it strengthens you to make the ask. That's one okay. thing, you know, so mm-hmm. it, it, you know, it's, uh, you had to, <laughs> but I did what it, so, and, and so I found like, I, I would agree with that. Like, you know, in, in maybe normal times, uh, you're like, ah, you make assumptions. They're too busy. They won't help me. Um, when, when you're really trying to survive, it, you get a little courage to make the ask. I shouldn't say a little courage. You get a lot of courage to make the ask. I do think you were hitting on something very good, which is what's the way to ask? What's the right philosophy for me? And I learned this the hard way. Um, you've got to make, it's got to be a mutual value exchange. You know I mean, it can't just be, you give me an hour because all me, 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 me. I got all these things on my mind and uh, there's got to be a little bit of a value exchange where it's mutual that if, if that exists, they're going to be more, more closely to take the meeting. Right. You know I mean, you just ask, well, how, how would, someone ask me right now, um, you know, I'm happy to give my time and I'm happy to help. But if, you know, if there's, if I'm, and it doesn't mean that like you have to be giving advice back. It could be just like, it was an enjoyable time, you know, like be yourself. Okay. Maybe, you know, I, I'll, have, I'll have a drink with somebody if, if it's, you know, and I'm happy to give advice or meet with them, but um, you know, it has got to be valued both ways. And I, I always was surprised at times while, why some people met me, <laughs> you know, where I, would, I would literally finish a meeting. I'd be like, that was great. Oh my God, you've been so helpful. I can't believe you took the meeting. And they'd be like, no, this was enjoyable for me too. Yeah. It always surprised me why it was enjoyable. And maybe it was, you know, and a lot of them cited, they were rooting. Uh, maybe it was just fun conversation, but a lot of times, um, you know, uh, they were learning for me as well. And that surprised me. And so I guess I would say as people don't, should, should not underestimate uh, value that they might be able to be given back in, in, in a good conversation, you know, okay. but uh, I go back to my, I, I maybe didn't word that as well as I wanted to, but uh, in the wording to try and get the meal, um, 
be very honest about your ask. Hey, I got a couple things on my mind. You know, uh, I'm trying to start a business. Uh, love to ask you questions around these areas. Would you be open to it? You'd be surprised to so make that ask. But then when you go, make sure that you are trying to be helpful back, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, and that, and that when that exists, they'll probably even meet you again. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Okay. And I, I like how you said, even providing a good conversation can be valuable because, you know, how many kids are coming out of college that they have zero experience? Yeah. Can, can they really, you know, air quotes, offer something to someone who is 10, 15 year entrepreneur it's like, well, I can't give him anything. Like, what are they going to learn from me? So I'm glad you brought that up where providing just a, a fun time for them, if nothing else, is worth their time. Yeah, I, I'm telling you, there, there are people, there are many people that I have met multiple times where honestly, when I'm probably 75% of the conversation, they're asking me questions and seeking my advice and I'm happy to share. But why I would meet them again is I enjoyed them and I enjoyed the conversation. You know what I mean, yeah, yeah. And uh, I didn't, I didn't view it as you know, a waste of my time. You know mm-hmm. what I mean, and uh, and you'd be surprised. I, I I think for younger people in particular, um, offer that up. I mean, I, I, there are times I'd be like, how how can I help you if anything? And you'd be surprised what's on seasoned professionals' mind. I mean, one thing is there's a lot of uh, relevancy to the times. There could be more. Um, uh, the the more seasoned professional, yeah, maybe they have thirty years of business acumen, but they maybe feel and insecure about their how relatable they are these days, or they've got questions about, you know, hey, I'm struggling to hire, or what's on your mind, or what? what I just think that there are, there are things that uh, I can continue to learn. I think other people can continue to learn just because of the diversity of uh, background generation age, um, you probably have more to offer than you think you do mm-hmm. is what I'm really like to get back to. Okay. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, it's good. Uh, and then when you first like developed the concept for your business and got it off the ground, I, I, I was looking at your website and noticed like everything you actually do for your customers. There's, there's a lot of moving pieces. I was going to ask you, it's like when you first developed the concept, did you like did you have like more services and kind of consolidated them? Or was it a matter of like building out more and more services as you work with more people? Like how did that kind of work? I yeah, guess? it's good. I, it's funny when I say I'm a product person, you know, it, I, I apply a lot of product management, road mapping, prioritization practices to our own innovate map company. So mm-hmm. if you think about it, like, yeah, when I started this, I was like, Oh my gosh, there's like 30 things that I can, that I can do. Mm-hmm. And like my original offering list had like, 30 things that I could do mm-hmm. a year later, it had 12. Okay. <laughs> the reason it hit 12 is there are a lot of things that I wanted to do, or maybe I thought I could help, but nobody was buying it. Right. So, with, so the real funny thing when I think about, and this applies to any product, but certainly to any business, you're trying to find your product market fits. So you could have 30 ideas in your head, but mm-hmm. if nobody wants them, if nobody's going to pay for them, um, you got to find that you got to find that, match. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that was the evolution of the process. Uh, and I'll stay on that example. I might've started the business with 30 things that I thought I could do. And then I started finding some were sticky, some were valuable. Mm-hmm. And I, and then I just had to kind of cut the offering list to lean into those, but mm-hmm. then it doesn't end there. Right. And then you got to pay attention to your, 
to your eventual customer base because they're going to want you to add things or evolve or enrich mm-hmm. your offering set, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I might have started with 30 and then I narrowed it down to 12. And then the next year we've got 15, right? Mm-hmm. And what are the 15? I, I, those started to be less what was in my mind, but more what was in the customer's mind, mm-hmm. right? And, and you, see, you, want, you always just learning your fit with your business to your market. And that mm-hmm. never ends, never ends. Like I'm yeah. telling you even right now, um, there's probably, you know, three or four offerings that we just, I, nobody asked us for that anymore. And we did a lot of those in the first year. Yeah. And then there's stuff that people are really asking a lot, a lot for us to do now. And so you just always want to be paying attention to your, to your offering set, yeah. no matter what business. I mean, you even think like even, even, I mean, it applies to anybody. You think like a restaurant, you know, you can start with like, 30 menu items, you'll know after two months mm-hmm, right, what right. menu items work and what don't, right? It'd be people like them, they buy them, you'll sunset ones, you'll listen to your customers, you'll add more. And I, I use that example because it's pretty relatable to everybody, but that, yeah. that's kind of how it, that's how it is. Yeah, yeah. for sure. We actually yeah. just, uh, we brought on the CEO of Market Wagon, Nick Carter. So it's like a, okay. an e-commerce, like farmer's market. And he said something that mirrored exactly what you just said. He said, you got like the most innovative companies, they solve problems externally. They don't just innovate like internally and like don't listen to customers. Like you got to always be attuned to like what is happening external in your company because that's how you solve problems. So it's great. And I, I will tell you, I think, I think where a lot of entrepreneurs and I guess businesses go wrong is when they're too internally focused. Mm-hmm. So a, lot, a lot of entrepreneurs will say, will to a fault, um, dig their heels in on, I want to do this, or I think this is the right thing to do. And the market will validate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? You know, the market will validate that. And, you know, and um, one thing that's nice for us, is you do got it. When I say product market fit, there are a lot of things the market asks of us that we are, it isn't something we want to do. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Right. I mean, so that's a, you're just always trying to pay attention to that. Yeah. Combination of maybe what the market is asking and what they want of you, but then what are you exceptional at and want to offer? And mm-hmm. that, sure. that applies to any business. Has, has there been a product or service that was being asked, asked of you guys that you didn't do? And after so many asks, it's like, okay, we're just leaving too much money on the table. Let's figure this out. And the service worked out or, or yeah. anything like that. Yeah. So the biggest addition, so just, just, if I think about like what we do um, and I, I I'll, I'll cover it real quickly, just so if someone's less familiar with that is, you know, we're the strategy and design side of digital products. So a person with an app idea or a software idea will come to us. And we're kind of like the architect and interior designer, like to use a house analogy. We're not the okay. construction crew, right? Got so if it. you want to like, if you, if you were to build a dream home, uh, the architect and the interior designer, they're going to you know, work through all the strategy, like, you know, you know, $300,000 budget or $2 million budget, build a different house based on that, okay. live here yeah. forever or flip it in a year. We're going to pick features very different based on that. And then we're going to okay. design it very well. So that's what we do for digital products. And um, when we started, because I was so passionate about working with the early seed stage, uh, right from the gate, we were doing product management, UX design. So we would literally design the software and we we're doing product marketing, right? Like how to talk about uh, uh, position, message, demo, that product. We didn't do brand, right? And what I found was all of our clients were asking us to do that. Hmm. They're like, you guys get how tech startup works. A lot of the brand or marketing agencies don't, right? They're trying to, I, I need a lightweight brand. I need my brand, whatever I pick to be applied across my product. I need all my product marketing. And they liked our business model and they liked 
working with us. They, and they liked our design. They were really begging us to do that. And uh, I didn't have any internal competency with that. And, uh, but in listening to my client, it felt on brand. I mean, it felt on brand for Innovate Map to extend our offering set to also do the brand and then apply to all of our product marketing for our, for our, our clients. And so we actually uh, found expertise in that and folded that into the, to the firm. And now we have a whole brand operation of five team members to do wow. that. But I, that was not, that is something that was not in the original vision of the company mm-hmm. that overwhelmingly they asked us to add to, to our offering set. Gotcha. There are times where um, the clients want you to do something. And uh, we said no to a lot. And when we've said no, it isn't because we're trying, we're intentionally trying to disappoint our client base. Right. It's because it was, it's because it wasn't in our wheelhouse. You know, it wasn't something that was, we were passionate about. It's not something that we thought we could be successful at. So even though they want us to, a lot of times we're like, yeah, that's, that's not, that's not a fit for us. Um, I'll give you a good example of that. Um, if you have a digital vision, a digital idea, we're ready to go. We're, we're your team. We aren't uh, change management consultants. Right. Okay. And there and, and, and there's a lot of like uh, digital transformations, a big whiz where we're non-tech companies are trying to figure out what their tech play is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've been asked many times, hey, could you help us figure out what in the world we should do? And I, I, I would say we're better. We're not change management consultants. If you have embraced digital and if you have an idea, we're ready to make it the right one. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, I, and I will refer that to, you know consulting companies and things like that. But um, I will say this, we tried and I realized we weren't, wasn't a sweet spot for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's honest. That's, that's where you're always trying to figure out, you know, your fit. And uh, I'm not afraid to experiment with stuff, but at the end of the day, always trying to figure out uh, not just what the market wants, but your product fit back. Sure. And you said you'll, you'll refer those things out if someone comes to you and it's just not, not your wheelhouse. You'll, you have people you send that to. Yeah, I mean, it, it's one thing. It, it, I have found that that's a that's value right there to our clients. You know, to be very transparent about what you do well, it's also outstanding to be transparent about what you don't do. Sure. You mm-hmm. know, and uh, I would happily tell client, yeah, that's not our sweet spot. I know a couple people that do that very well. Happy to make an intro, and and even just that, you know, high quality introductions is a great value uh, to people, and I want to see them successful. So I'll be flat out admit when. I know of someone that's better at something that I think they need. Um, I try not to be all things to everyone. Yeah, right. it, it has served us well to have very laser focus on what is our strength uh, and, and position in the market rather than saying yes to everything. Yeah. Yeah. And what are, uh, what are some other pivots that you've had with the company? I'm sure COVID you guys had a few yeah. pivots along the way. Um, but so let's get into those and anything else that, was really substantial. Maybe you didn't foresee or was just kind of that gut-wrenching pivot, big gamble, something like that. Yeah. The, the, so two, two come to mind. The first was, um, I already kind of pointed that out, which is we, we are laser focused and have been on the tech scene. They speak our language. They even know, I mean, and uh, there is a big market trend of non-tech companies now trying to do something digital. You know, you, you can think of a bank it has an app, right? It has an online banking, has an app. Just to give you an example, that's probably relatable. Um, and uh, we could help there. And we did dip our toe into, hey, we're going to start working not just with tech companies, but we're going to work with the non-tech companies. And uh, we've had some success there. But I think our, I, you know, uh, that that change was was pretty impactful. Um, I do I do want to highlight. You mentioned COVID. That was probably 
the biggest one that's happened to us in the last two years um, was really accelerated by 2020, and that is being more of a national market. So being a service, uh, the first few years, we did everything in person, right? And all of our clients were Indianapolis-based, mm-hmm. you know, and then word of mouth, we're, we're in our ninth year now, but like in probably year five or six, we started getting word of mouth out and we would get, you know, we, we'd get a client that wasn't Indianapolis-based. So we had, you know, and, that, and that's okay, but if we had like 20 clients, 19 of them were Indianapolis-based and yeah. one was not, and yeah, we would deliver it via zoom, uh, when everything got shut down, right. Uh, we had all of our clients had to be delivered a service, our service remotely. So that was a big deal. Um, and I'm very proud of the team. They kind of figured out how to do that well, but that changed a lot of trajectory for innovate Matt because we had this artificial governor in our head that we could only do everything in person and we could only do then Indianapolis. And if we were to ever to serve a client, well, in a different region, we would need a local office there to that. I mean, that, that's what we, I mean, we, or, or it would have been a lot of work to figure that out. And the appetite for a client to be served remotely over zoom, and then our ability to do that well opened up a market well grander than Indianapolis. And so that was a tweak pivot, whatever you want to call it. But uh, as of t- after 2020, we went much more national with our brand. You know, and I would say we sit here today and 50%, not 95%, 50% of our clients are local just because we've got a, you know, reputation and, um, and, and word of mouth is, a, is at this point, a, you know, they know about us here locally, but um, we're getting clients outside and that's also intentional now. Uh, but that was really a breakthrough and that's yeah. changed, it's changed quite a bit. Like we, we hired, we hired more than we ever have last year to serve this grander opportunity for for our business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the most important thing you, I mean, as the leader of the company, what is the most important thing you told your team as you went through that transformation to, into a more of a re- remote service and uh, yeah. And gaining buy-in, I guess, from everybody, because I'm sure people were willing to, to make the pivot for, for the good of the company, but what were the important things that you hammered home in that transition? Yeah. So uh, two words, two thoughts come to mind immediately. The first one would be, adapt. Mm-hmm. Every business had to adapt. Mm-hmm. And I really was trying to hit home comfort with change like that. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and um, every business, at least the ones that successfully pushed through, uh, made the right decisions of how their business would adapt to mm-hmm. the new, to new times. Mm-hmm. And so I really tried to, you know, I really tried to hit home with the team, the openness to change versus, oh, this sucks. I wish it was back the way it was, or everything is a, everything is a gut punch because we can't do what we used to do. I, I just did not really want that mentality. I, it, adapting well was really the mantra that I wanted everybody to feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And then the second one, which is a necessary backup to that comment is we had to stay true to who we were. Yeah. You know I mean, we aren't, we, we were not going to just, you know, totally change, right. We had it. We had a business, we know what we do, we know what we do well, but we've got to be open to what that's going to look like in this new world. And yes. so I really tried to cement a, hey, our, our mission did not change. Uh, our six core values did not change. Uh, our offering set would get tweaked a little bit to, to, to match the new market. You know, there are, you know, and, but, but really I wanted everyone to feel that 
the company that they loved and believed in, the core of the company was not going to change, mm-hmm. but we were going to have to adapt to now find our new or our refreshed product market fit as the market was completely changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you're not just those changes, but you just opened another office in, in New York, how do you keep kind of that quality control of environment where you have that strong mentality of, Hey, we're just adapting. We're moving with the cheese. We're not going to get stuck. Like we're innovate map. That's what we do. Uh, how do you maintain that culture that you've created? Cause it sounds like you got a really good workspace going uh, yeah. when you start to scale, you know, you've been in the industry for a while. How do you scale without losing that? You know, you start to see these big companies where, Employees hate their lives and they, they lost the special sauce. You know what I mean? How, how do you keep that? I love the question. I, I think, I think what we made really <clears throat> intentional points not to change was who we were and our why, right? We could change our how and our what we were not going to change our who and our why. So why our mission is really like, and, and I'll just tell you our, our mission is, you know, to you know, really help leaders we believe in bring their product vision to life, you know, and and uh, we weren't going to change that, and uh, we were not going to change who we were. I said our value set stayed the same, and mm-hmm. really, really trying to champion that. We're like the experience that you would or the caliber of the people. They're motivated by the same thing, and they all share the same value set. Now, what could change and always adapts and evolves is kind of what we do and how we do it. We're always even, even if times, even the macro climate hadn't changed, we're always trying to get better at that. Mm-hmm. But I think what, what, as we've scaled to larger size teams, to different offices, um, that's what we got to keep the same. It, it's it, the, what we've got to keep, you know, the, the motivating mission behind what we're doing. And then the value set and it's just got to be bedrock foundation. And, and, and that stuff shouldn't change every year. I mean, Mm-hmm. You know, go-to-market strategies can change. Uh, offering sets can evolve and change. But we've really, really uh, kept that foundational stuff. Foundational. Yeah. yeah. Good. Good. That's awesome. What made you choose New York for the location? What, yeah, what went it. into that decision-making process? Well, I, it, it's funny. Even though we, we serve clients remotely, uh, I am a big believer in in-person. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so uh, we... Just be, we're professional service. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, there's just a rapport relationship uh, thing that I, I still very strongly about. Now, we will happily, and we don't have to have every meeting every week in person. That's kind of what, what but I do, I do like uh, in person, whether it be, you know, at a kickoff or twice a year and things like that. So a lot of the New York's, uh, it's really a Northeast ambassador for the firm. You know, mm-hmm. so we're an HQ and remote chapter model. So our, our headquarters is in Indianapolis. And then New York is our first foray in a remote chapter. And uh, I'll tell you, there's a lot. I won't go into the full strategy of New York, but um, I mean, the tech scene there is vibrant, you know, and pretty exciting. Um, And, uh, you know, that so between the the talent out there, the tech scene out there, uh, the market opportunity out there, we landed on New York. And, you know, there's there's certainly uh, team member stories involved with that as well. You know, we, we have to have team that would want to be there. That, that was a match for us as well. But uh, yeah, I, I think that, I think the, uh, the tech market matters quite a bit too. You know, if I were to think if, you know, what, what after New York, my first lens would be where are the hot tech markets, you know what I mean? And, and, and then 
do we think we could be successful there? Do we know talent that would be happy to live there and be exceptional additions to our team? Things like that. But um, yeah, that's that's a little bit why New York, among, okay. among yeah. other reasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And have you thought about past New York? I know it just happened. Yeah. But, you know, in terms of your, your CEO, you're probably thinking of scaling and all this, which yeah. I love yeah. talking to people and, and how they approach scaling business. So we can get into that. But have you thought about the next spot after New York. Yeah. And it's, and, and um, so we, New York was last year and we are all in on it, but what, it's funny, we're taking notes along the way because I said, it's our first remote chapter. I hope to learn through the New York. I don't want to call it an experiment because it's, it's, we want it to be, it's going to be successful, but right. we're trying to learn. And Rather than like do it all at once, we're trying to learn a lot from New York so that if when we went to another location, we had a working blueprint mm-hmm. cool. you know, of, of how to make that work. And so I would say our leadership is paying very much attention to the experiments and the moves and the, and the, and the attempts because uh, it is a different market. I'll be very honest, you know, it, it, the New York market, I mean, how you, uh, you know, just even just it's a different culture. Right. And so we're learning that we're, we're internally learning a lot of things, you know, even like um, how to acclimate a remote team into our, I just, you know, a Monday morning meeting at, at the all team meeting uh, or, or how often do I need to go out there? How often does the team need to come back here to stay, you know, engaged. And um, so uh, we have given thought, I'm just not eager to start another location until we've kind of proved the model yeah. and have created kind of a blueprint that I hope is repeatable. Also, we picked a tough one. Like if we can figure out New York, I'm pretty feeling. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to quote the songs, but I think if we make it there. We could probably make it anywhere. Uh, but uh, yeah, a lot of hoops. Yeah, it, I know. It, it's, I mean, it, go, ahead. go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Yeah, it's 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 you know if we, it is a uh, you know it's a bigger market than Indianapolis, mm-hmm. and so I feel like if we can figure that out, you know, applying that blueprint and our go to market for a remote office, uh, I think we could apply that more, quite easily. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> to, to another market. Yeah. yeah. We've, we've talked to a guy who was based out of Miami. He, he built up um, a firm. They're doing like a lot of e-com with influencers and stuff. And they use, I don't know if you guys use Slack or anything, but he has people all over the world. Yeah. So he is a hundred percent remote global and uh, he uses things like Slack. You know, everything is, is done there. He goes, Hey, no DMS, no nothing, no personal stuff. Everything is in there. So everyone can see it. So we know where each other is at. And I was like, oh, that's great accountability too. I'm, I'm, tell- I'm telling you, we run the entire business on Slack. Mm-hmm. I wow. mean, it, okay. Yeah. I mean, like every, every client's got a channel, every topic you could imagine internally as a channel. And I would applaud that best practice. We're very transparent with each other. It, it, yeah. it, it's how you can feel connected digitally. And even like, I mean, we've got, you know, casual channels to talk about, could be sports or music. We've got uh, <laughs> very cool. focused business channels to talk about you know, stuff, but it is, it, it really helps people asynchronously stay connected. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, you know, I like to balance that a little bit with in person as well, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it definitely that's the stuff. How do you stay connected? How does, how do uh, remote team members stay informed? How do they feel part of the team? Um, digital tools certainly play a role. I don't think it's the only thing, but they, they can certainly help quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, my 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 girlfriend, she her company uses Slack and they have obviously they have all the stuff related to the business and what they do for customers, but they also have one that's more of like fun style. They have one channel that's like dedicated to people just posting pictures of their dogs. So that <laughs> yeah. you can like so you can you can kind of it, it's good for camaraderie culture, but yeah, also for serving customers. Don't be sending the poodle to you know Microsoft client like hey, <laughs> that one thing fixed yet. Yeah, it's like how oh, these fucking bears. Oh, wrong channel. Sorry, guys. That's right, that's right. <laughs> but um, so when when you're you've been in this for nine years, when you think about scaling business, what what's your approach? Do you stay as lean as long as you can? As soon as you can hire another talent, do you do that? Because we've heard both. We've had people that as soon as you can hire talent, get them, or be as lean as long as possible. Well, it all starts with what's your business strategy, okay. right? So if you are in a if your business strategy is to grow rapidly, you're going to embrace a very different scaling strategy. For us, I want to respond to the market demand for our services at a very high quality level. So that suggests growth because I want to respond to market demand and we're in digital. So market demand for our skills is high, but I want to maintain a bar of quality. And that, that, that puts a premium on, it, it puts a little bit of a governor self-imposed on our growth, because I want the quality of experience to be exceptional, the quality of our team members that you're going to be hiring, that's going to solve your problems. They have to be experts, you know, and um, I can't, I'm not, that's a very different model. So like it, it, it would be challenging in my, with that statement to like hire 30 people in a month. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just to give you an example, like I, I would have quality concerns <clears throat> Not, not of the people necessarily, but of the process. Would, would all 30 of them be elite in skill set, elite in character? You know, that's, that's, that's different, but that's a choice on my end that that's the business strategy we want. We want we'd like to be a very premium service, solve things well at a, at a, at a quality. And that's how we uh, get, we, we match make very nicely when we get clients that want that kind of, and that's, that's well, that is our business strategy. Yeah. Not every business has that strategy. Like you could be, you know, a consulting company that, you know, with a, with more of a commodity mentality, like, Hey, we're next man up. We're going to find another body and build them out. And, um, and, and, you know, and you, you hope for high quality, but it's more like you want to, you just have a different business strategy, you know? And then, I mean, the client, it's funny because the clients that we serve, cause we're in the tech scene, a lot of our clients are SaaS companies that are on really rapid scaling. Okay. I mean, like they're, they're, Hey, just raised $7 million series a round. Now they have to hire 50 people in the next six months. Wow. Right. And then um, that's a challenge for them. And so a lot of times we'll engage to, to, you know, compliment their team and give them an area of expertise because they don't, you know, but uh, so I've seen rapid scale um, for our business. We are really, we really cannot jeopardize the quality of the people. Uh, and, and that's my choice. And so that, that kind of, we have a more, you know, concentrated or intentional growth trajectory where like a, a good example, we're just talking about offices. I can choose to not open a third office until I feel like we have done a second one very well. Right. And there, there are businesses that, you know, might choose to open 10 in the yes. same month. Right. Yeah. You know I mean, and uh, yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. You're going to find, and when you ask that question, I think you're going to find scale looks very different for each company. And I would say it's custom to their business strategy. Yeah. <clears throat> Fair enough. Okay. And then I, I so 
about five or a little bit ago, you talked about how your company is the main goal is to provide, let your customers bring their product solutions to life. And, um, and that's the main goal. And I'm sure that involves for your customers delivering like a good user experience for their customers. So I wanted to ask like, what does, when, when you approach everything with Innovate Map, like what is an ideal like user experience look like uh, for, for customers? Yeah, it's, I, love, I love that because we, we care quite a bit about that. You know, and it goes it goes to my quality climate. Like I, we strive for 100% referenceability, you know, and that's really hard, but I don't, I, I want the bar that high. Mm-hmm. If someone worked with us um, that they, they would cite after our involvement that that was a good experience. Mm-hmm. And things that would delight me that we strive for is they were really good at what they, what I hired them for. I mean, they, this, I mean, the caliber of the expertise was legit, but that it was a delightful experience. I want them mm-hmm. to, I want them to have, it would, it would delight me if they described the experience as being beneficial for their business, uh, value for what they paid, but enjoyable along the way. Mm-hmm. And, um, because we're so outcome-minded, um, you know, I, I, I'd rather people speak of the experience than the work. You know, I'd rather them say, well, that, 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 that screen they gave us was great, but I didn't enjoy working with them. That is a, that would be awful. Right. Yeah. I really, I really want people to, you know, that's a, that's a great story for us if they enjoyed uh, their time. And we, we've had really nice compliments that I, that I, those are the things we celebrate mm-hmm. you know, when a client enjoys our team, enjoys the outcomes, feels like we were tremendous value, you know, um, and that, that's the stuff that kind of lights us up and motivates our team. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there anything within that process or I guess process in general, you guys are improving upon like any that customer experience. Yeah. What, what's yeah, something it, that you guys are kind of fixing up being better yeah, at it, right now? It, it, it's great. Um, because we're, I mean, I feel like we do well, but it's, it's like, it, I, I think of any service and I give the restaurant analogy, you're always trying to make it better, always trying to make it better. So things that we're very much you know, we do a really, at least I feel like we do a nice job of, you know, transitioning when you decide to make a hire or to hire us, you know, the kicking off the meeting, um, you know, getting up to speed, every meeting with us, we want that to be better. Um, really, we're focused on like offboarding this year, which is like when, when, when we part ways, you know, when, when the job is done, okay. that even that is an awesome experience, you know, it could be like, you know, rolling up the work, gift, whatever you might be, but like, you're always trying to make that better. And we really had to, uh, we've had to, well, I'd say the last two years with, uh, you know, we've got with, with remote. I mean, that was, I think you heard me. We, we really had to like pivot and adapt what was, what used to be a great in-person experience to be a stellar, you know, remote over zoom experience. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, you, you know, how do you, Think about like, how do you take clients out for beers and have that be a fun experience on right. Zoom? We, we had ideate on that. We, we, would, we would have really engaging workshops with our clients, okay. you know, that would be done in person. Five of us, five of them, we're post-it notes, we're whiteboarding. How do we do that awesome experience remotely? And so we've really had to focus on that uh, in the past two years. And I'm really proud of the team that, and just the ways that they've innovated on that, where even if someone that... The bar is high, whether you're in person or not, that you would still cite that as a very valuable and enjoyable experience working with Innovate Map. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And Mike, I know we're uh, kind of 
starting to get close to our hour. I want to make sure that we cover everything that you want to. Um, I, I think we have a couple more questions. We always end on our last one, but anything we haven't covered yet that you want to make sure that we hit um, or any plugs, anything I want to make sure that we cover things that you want to nail down as well. Yeah, I, I actually appreciate the question. I did not necessarily come with an agenda. So okay. I, I, cool. I, you know, I, uh, so I, I appreciate the invitation for that, but uh, to me, uh, me, you guys know your audience, you guys know your show. If I can uh, respond to your questions well, that's, that's, I, I'd rather do that. Cool. I, I and I appreciate, I really do appreciate the offer. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I am, I'm curious with um, any prior experience or role that might've turned into a very uh, a pleasant surprise stepping stone like an experience that, so I've had, for example, there were some things in corporate. I'm like, oh man, this is bullshit. Like I hate this, but there were things that happened that were very surprising stepping stones that without that, I wouldn't have done X, Y, Z a year later, three years later. Um, Anything that jumps out to you when it's like, wow, that, that really was a surprise. And, and I'm here for a big reason because of that. Yeah. I, I much like you liked small company. I've had you know, two stints at larger corporations and teach their own. They have their benefits. Small sure. has benefits and disadvantages as well. Yep. But um, large was not for me. And it's funny. I agree with, uh, there were a lot of things in my, that I maybe wanted to dismiss or not do again here at Innovate Map. Um, <laughs> I almost felt like, like I was allergic to because of negative experiences at maybe corporate that I have surprised myself that I've had to lean on, you know, and specifically in the scale mode. And I'm grateful for those lessons. So what do I mean by that? If I was always small, um, I think I would be a little bit handicapped right now on the scale mode that we're in. You know, I, I, I don't like we're a team of 36, you know, and, um, you know, I certainly looked fo- look back fondly on the days that we were five or eight. You know what I mean? But I feel very comfortable leading a team of 40 as comfortable as I do leading a team of five. And a lot of that is because of lessons of growth or lessons of leadership that I learned when I was with larger teams, Yeah. whether or not they were my favorite. And, and, and what I've, what I've enjoyed here is I'm using some of the business or leadership fundamentals I got, but I'm what's I'm using them for my company. And so I'm able to kind of modify or morph them where they are enjoyable here. We're good. All right, cool. Yeah. um, My question is about just lessons you've learned as a leader. So I guess kind of a two-part question, like, is there anything that you've learned about yourself as a leader? And then is there anything about like running a business and being a leader in your capacity that's maybe improved other parts of your life, like personal areas or anything else that that's kind of spread into? Yeah. I, the biggest thing to me is I have been surprised at, uh, you know, when I don't use, I don't use the term like founder and owner a lot. I just, it feels very like selfish, but it is, they are roles that I play. And um, I, the empowering of others, like I do not run, I do not run this company like a dictator Mm -hmm. that has been intentional from day one. I wanted, I've wanted to, empower my team. I wanted, I, and delight in their growth. And at times that has meant that I have given up or given away uh, areas of the business that I might've, and, and even control in areas of the business that, um, and, and those have all worked out well. I, I, I delight in seeing other team members grow into 
those, honestly, in many instances, they handled them better than I did. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, that's, that's been an incredible lesson. So like this, the, the growth of innovate map has really forced a lot of self-reflection on me on, on where to focus and where to lean on others. And a lot of that self-reflection that I, I have definitely benefited from that personally, as well as professionally, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, just know, knowing my weak spots, uh, appreciating where others want to contribute and letting them, um, being delightfully surprised at, at other, how other people can grow. You know, and I, I, I just say as, as a friend, as a parent, I've just applied a lot of those self-reflection and self-awareness uh, learnings that business forced me to, to, to do. Being able to apply those personally, uh, definitely have, have been able to do that. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. Awesome. Uh, so, Mike, we always like to finish with the same question uh, that we like asking everyone is when it's all said and done, when when your time here is, is done, how do you want to be remembered? How do people, how do you want them to remember Mike Reynolds? Oh, that's great. I, I, uh, that I, I, what others came first. That's just, you just, I, I, that other people came first. I, and I, and if I were able to have impacted them positively, whether it be a smile, whether it be a laugh, whether it be with employment, whether it be, um, as, as a friend, you know, that, 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 um, I, I got myself, I, I, I really, I mean, I, you, you wouldn't start a service business if you did not want to serve, yeah. right? If you didn't want to help. And so, um, you know, uh, whether it be family, friends, I, I do my best to try to put others first. That's, awesome. and that can be remembered that way. Then that, that's, that's a delighter for me. Then I'm satisfied. So I love it. Love that. Mike, thanks so much again, man. We know you're busy. Uh, you, have, you have an awesome company. It sounds like you're really running things well over there. So, you know, we appreciate your time. And this was a lot of fun for us. Uh, hope we got you some value as well. Oh, yeah, you guys, I told you. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I enjoyed good. this. Good. You, know, you guys did a good job. Don't be afraid to ask someone for a meeting. You guys enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, <one>. yeah. <laughs>